This is a Stand With Lynette podcast. You have episode 51, Finding Hope Through Pornography Addiction with Matt and Katie Davis. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Stand with Lynette podcast. If you're here for the first time, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to everyone who is along for the ride. I'm very excited about today's episode because I think this is a topic we don't talk about enough and we need to talk about. My husband is currently serving as a bishop, and while I do not know any details of anything that is happening with people in the ward, in this realm, I do know that he was blown away by how deep and wide the pornography use is, and even addiction, use, overuse, addiction, across all ages. This isn't just men, and it isn't just related to young men. There are people all across the age spectrum who struggle with this. And so when a listener recently reached out to me and asked if I had ever considered doing an episode to help spouses of pornography addicts stand strong in the gospel and in their testimonies and in their faith and in their marriage, I thought, why haven't I thought of that? Yes, we need to do that episode. And I knew exactly who I wanted to ask to be my guest because I am not a, an expert on pornography at all. But Matt and Katie Davis from the Instagram account Let's Talk 12 Step immediately came to my mind. I have been following them for several months. I think their account is relatively new, but they are out spreading the word about pornography and the hopeful way that we can overcome it through the Savior Jesus Christ. Matt has been has been in the past a pornography addict and he brought that into his marriage and then has been now clean for four years after going through a grueling process of recovery. And so the way that they talk about this subject is so hopeful. And so I reached out to them and said, hey, will you come on the podcast and talk about this tricky topic? And they're like, yes, we would love to. So they are on the podcast today sharing their story. It is mostly their story and what they have learned. And they have some really great things to say that I think will be beneficial not only for spouses of pornography addicts, but for everyone. Because at some point, we will all have a loved one, a friend, a family member, a spouse, a you know brother, a child who struggles with this. We will. It's 100%. We will all have to deal with it in some form or fashion, and what they have to share will be helpful no matter who you are supporting, but especially for spouses of those who who are struggling through pornography. This is going to be super helpful. Now, they did want me to throw in a little disclaimer that this is their story, and they realized that their story is not everyone's story. And so the things that worked for them may not work for everyone, and the outcome that they have come to may not be the outcome that everybody comes to. And so just keep that in mind as you're listening to their story, but listen for hope 
Listen for Jesus Christ. Listen for what you can do in your situation right now, or maybe in a situation that you will be in the future to help those people in your life or yourself find hope through this really dark challenge that thrives in the dark. So let's bring it to light today. Let me introduce you to my friends, Matt and Katie Davis. Hello, my friends. I am so excited about today's episode. I'm excited to introduce you to my friends, Matt and Katie Davis, who have agreed to come on the podcast at my request and talk about a subject that is hard for a lot of people to talk about, but also super relevant, I think. Everybody knows somebody who struggles in this realm, and so I am so grateful for their willingness to come and talk to me. So welcome to the podcast, Matt and Katie. I'm so happy you're here with me. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. We're excited to be here. All right. Well, can you just give us a quick overview of who you are, what you do, why you do it? Yes, of course. So like like Lynette said, I'm Katie and my husband is Matt. We've been married for six years and we have two toddler boys. We have almost a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And um, we both grew up in Utah. We've lived in Utah most of our lives. And then this last year, about a year ago, we moved to South Carolina and we bought a house and some property. We're kind of doing like a hobby farm kind of thing and having lots of fun out here. So that's where we're located right now. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so we we started an Instagram Instagram account um, a few months ago, and it's called Let's Talk 12 Step. And Let's Talk 12 Step is mostly about people who struggle with pornography use and their spouses. And we just wanted to create a resource for these individuals and couples who are struggling because we know so many people struggle with this. And this is something that we've struggled with as well. And especially when we were and we'll, we'll talk more about our story, but in the very beginning when we were really struggling, um, I didn't know, we didn't know anyone who was struggling with this. I was just like racking my brain, trying to think of who I could talk to for support. And just, we couldn't think of anyone else who's going through this. And we just know so many people struggle with this, but no one talks about it. And so when we started first going to the 12 step meetings and we started meeting more people, we realized this is actually a really common problem and our story isn't uncommon. A lot of people struggle with this. No one is talking about it. And we've done a handful of firesides. We've done a podcast a couple of years ago. We've, we've really dug in and tried to be more outspoken about this and be that resource for people. And it's just been so incredible. Like when we did a fireside a couple of years ago in our ward, when we were living in Provo, um, the bishop told us afterwards that a ton of people reached out to him right after our fireside and scheduled to meet with him. And they ended up telling him that they had been struggling with pornography and doing our podcast and our Instagram. We just have people reach out to us, friends and families and strangers, all just saying that they struggle and they're finally ready to talk about it and they're needing help. And so, like you said, it is a really hard topic and it can be uncomfortable for a lot of people, but for those who are really struggling we we're just really hoping that we can make a difference in their lives and help them feel hope and help them find healing. I love that so much. I follow your Instagram and I think it is amazing. I think you talk about this in such a hopeful way. And 
you know, I'm sure that there are a lot of people in the middle of the struggle who don't feel that hope. And so you're giving them hope. And I, I love that. And I feel like that's what I want to hear tonight <laughs> is just, let's talk about hope. And let's talk about the struggle for sure, because that is yeah. real. But how do we find hope in the struggle? Yep. So Matt, can you take us back to like your the beginning of your story? When did you start viewing pornography? When did you feel like it became an addiction? Yeah, that's a good question. So the first time I ever saw pornography, I was six years old, um, but I didn't start viewing it like frequently until I was 11 or 12, which is still so young when you think about it. Um, and it was, it was like that I viewed frequently and um, completely in isolation until my mission, basically, where I finally kind of like got cleaned up a little bit, was able to go out on my mission. But as soon as I got home, I fell right back into it. And um, that's kind of when I realized like it could be like a problem, that I, this could be something that's bigger than I need like help with. And maybe it's like an addiction. And I had kind of seen like some 12 step stuff on my mission. But I, I didn't, still didn't really think like I had a problem. I still thought like I could fix it on my own, stuff like that. And I really just went into our marriage with that mindset. I didn't tell Katie about it. I just was struggling, um, you know, viewing pornography very consistently. But no one in my life knew about it because I was just like so ashamed and so much isolation, um, so much isolation and just like really struggling um, with that and like completely by myself. That must have been hard for you to be in that place of like struggling and knowing you're hiding this from your wife and like, what's she gonna think when she finds out? Like, I'm sure that was a big struggle for you <laughs> without Katie even knowing. Yeah, it's like, it's like this crazy situation you put yourself in where you're like, hey, I'm gonna like work on it and like get over it. And then like, I'll tell them. And then you're like, you're like getting engaged and you're like, hey, I'll tell them like after we're engaged. And then you're like about to get married. You're like, I'll tell them right, you know, when we get married or whatever. And like, it just like keeps going forward and keeps snowballing and, and the whole time like you just get more and more like into it and yeah it's really hard and i see that pattern in like a lot of people as well so yeah so katie when did you find out how did you find out yeah so like he said we we started dating and we're getting engaged i asked him briefly about pornography you know like you're supposed to ask those questions so i don't feel like i was super prepared for that conversation necessarily um, but I felt like I was asking the questions. He gave me just kind of vague answers of like, yeah, I struggled with it in my past, but I, I haven't struggled with it since my mission, um, things like that, you know, wasn't giving me like a lot of specific answers, but in my mind, I was like, okay, great. Like we, I'm so happy that we're not going to have this problem in our marriage. And so I felt really good about it. And then we had been married for about a year. And for some reason, like some things were kind of adding together in my mind, or I was feeling unsettled about a few things in our marriage. And just one night, it was actually our first, the night of our first anniversary. I felt a very specific prompting from this spirit telling me to ask Matt if he had been viewing pornography, if he had been acting out in sexual ways. And I was like, shocked kind of like, oh my goodness, that's not what I want to hear from the spirit. You know, like it was really scary to feel that and then to have to confront Matt about it. So that night I started asking him like really, really specific questions. Like when was the last time you viewed? When was the last time you masturbated? Like things like that. And he was kind of shocked also because I hadn't really gone and we hadn't really talked in detail about that necessarily. Um, but then he started, it all kind of just started coming out and he had been telling me, um, he told me that he had been struggling 
for the year of our marriage and before when we were dating and engaged and stuff and that he'd been lying to me and he was back in his struggle. So what did that do to you on your first anniversary? Like that's supposed to be like such a happy day and big celebration. And you're like, all right, Heavenly Father, why did you give me this prompt? Can it wait till tomorrow? I know, <laughs> Let us right? Enjoy this yes. Yeah. So what did that do to you? It was devastating. I honestly, I just felt so much fear of like, who is this person that I married? I thought I knew everything about him. Matt is an amazing person, like an incredible husband, amazing person. And it just really made me feel so unsettled of like, do I not know who he is? Actually, I just, my, my brain couldn't like work around the conflicting things that I now knew about him. And so I was really fearful. And immediately I was like, oh my goodness, like, does this mean we're going to get divorced? Like, I I feel like I had a lot of misconceptions about pornography in a marriage at that time. And so I, I was feeling so much fear and also just betrayal and all those things that came out with that. It was, it was such a difficult day and really year after that. It was really hard for both of us. Yeah. So Matt, what was that like for you to have her confront you just straight up? Yeah. Um, it's always, when someone finds out about it, it's always um, really hard, but at the same time, it's like a huge weight off your shoulders and you're just, you no longer have to carry it. Um, and so, yeah, it was very difficult. And like, it led to the hardest year definitely of my life and the hardest like few weeks of my life um, and like definitely our marriage. Um, but at the same time, it's also like, you're getting like released and now like I can go like work on it and work through it. Cause like the hardest part is honestly for me, just like telling someone about it. And when that's out, out of the way, it's just everything kind of falls into place after that. Yeah. So what did that year look like? How did the, like, what did you do after you found out? Like it's out in the open. That's a, that's a weight off Matt's shoulders, but a weight on Katie's shoulders. So how did you work through that, that initially? So right after we found, or right after I found out, um, I jumped on it really quickly. Like it's kind of my personality just to be like, okay, great. Like I know what to do, like kind of taking over almost like here's a list of the things that we need to do. We're going to figure this out. Like I, I felt really sad and like upset, but I also felt hopeful and just kind of like, Hey, like here's our list. I know we'll be able to get through this. So I was like, let's meet with the Bishop. Let's get a priesthood blessing. Let's start going to the 12 step meetings, things like that. And so we started doing those things. Matt started working through his recovery a bit. Um, and you can... Yeah, I, I got like a 12 step manual. I didn't go to like meetings quite yet. And then like, it was like two months later and I was kind of doing like what we call like white knuckle sobriety where you're not like truly like working on it, but like, you're just like hoping that you don't like mess up. And of course, like I just started messing up again. And so at that point, Katie was like, we gotta go to a meeting. And it was like a bad reason to go to a meeting, which is like my wife kind of forcing me, but like it ended up being the best thing in the world that Katie um, pushed me to go to a meeting, like a 12 step meeting. Um, and then we spent like that year going to meetings, but I just fell right back into like lying and just messing up. <clears throat> and so like I would um, consistently like view and mess up and like um, like use pornography and then not tell Katie about it. And we'd even like go to 12 step meetings and people usually say like, yeah, it's been like, you know, two days or 10 days or however long. And it, it got to this point where I was telling everyone in like my 12 step meetings and Katie that it had been like over five months um, of sobriety for me when I was like on day one or two or something, you know, and I was just still messing up. So I was, I got right back into like that, that lying and like, just nothing was going through me. It was just stopping. And, and, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't making any progress. 
And did you know this, Katie? I didn't. Well, and like I kind of said, like at the very beginning, I was like, here's all the things. I was like trying to kind of micromanage it a little bit and trying to make it work for him, you know? So I feel like in my mind, I was kind of just seeing that of like, he's like checking off the boxes and things are going well. Um, And then a very similar experience happened again, which I did not want to have the spirit tell me again. It told the spirit told me that Matt was lying to me and that I needed to confront him again. And this was about 10 months after ten that mo- very first time. So it was yeah. 10 months of just me consistently lying, falling back into yeah. it, struggling that whole year, basically. Yeah. So then I, I confronted Matt and I looked him in the eye and I was like, I feel like you're lying to me. Like what's going on. And the same thing happened again. He just, he felt so much relief and he was like, he just broke down and was like, okay, I'm finally just going to tell you. But for me, it was honestly more devastating the second time and the first time, because I was like, I thought we were doing everything right. I thought we were checking the boxes and we were turning to Heavenly Father and we, we were doing all the things. And if that didn't work, then what is going to work? So I felt really hopeless. Um, I was pregnant with our first son and we kind of decided to get pregnant. In my mind, I was like, hey, we need to be on the right footing and he needs to be honest with me. And that's how it felt. Um, I felt like I wanted to get pregnant under those pretenses, but then it ended up not working out that way, you know? So again, I was just really devastated, but that was a turning point for both of us in both of our healing journeys and in recovery. Yeah. So what happened next? So that was, yeah, a huge reality check for me where I just realized that like, it was something to do with like, Heavenly Father told Katie to ask me if I was lying. And I just knew I couldn't lie to myself. I couldn't lie to God. I couldn't lie to Katie anymore. Like there was just no doing that anymore. And something kind of switched for me that day, which was I I realized that my problem and like proclivity for like lying was bigger than my problem with pornography. And I see this like across the board with people, like people who struggle with pornography use also just they really struggle with like honesty and and like letting people in and that's such a huge problem because like you put yourself in an isolated setting where you're just in like shame and you can't get help and there's just so many things wrong with that and so when katie confronted me that day a switch just flipped in my mind where ever since that day i have just not been able to lie to katie and it's been hard i've had to put in work but by doing that and by being honest with her that's where like my like recovery really started and I I finally like got a sponsor, which is like someone who like helps you work through like a 12 step program. I got serious about the steps. And from there, it just like really took off where I was being honest, I was working through the 12 steps and I was making progress, like true progress. And that's like really where it started. And so um, for me, since then it's been, I had like a few other like slip ups and things happened, but um, after a few months, like I really got on a good road and it's been four years since then. Um, that I've been porn free and so four years of sobriety. And so things went really well after that. That's that's awesome. So Katie, how did you learn how to trust Matt again after all that lying? Yeah, that is such a good question. Trust is tricky because like so many other things in recovery, I came to find out that I it's not something that I control. I can control. I can't force him to be honest with me. I can't force him to recover. And so with trust, it was just something that I kind of had to let go of. I had to be really patient. I had to um, trust in the savior and just kind of wait for Matt to be ready. Um, And it required a lot of 
me trusting him first, and then he was able to trust me. Um, but some things that helped were we did um, a 24 hour rule where if Matt had a slip up or if there was something that he needed to tell somebody, he had to tell me or his sponsor within 24 hours. And that helped a lot because that showed me that he was willing to show me his weaknesses. And so we grew together as a couple a lot where he was showing me his weaknesses. He wasn't hiding from me anymore. I felt like I could turn to him more and we grew um, in intimacy and trust and friendship as we were working through these hard things together, even though it it wasn't always things that I wanted to hear. I don't like hearing about slip ups or things that he's struggling with, but it did help us to find um more love and compassion and forgiveness for each other. And so really just time was a big thing with um, gaining back trust and um, attending the 12 step meetings was really helpful together and working on recovery, reading scriptures, living the gospel together. Those things really helped me build back trust. And it, it really did just take a lot of time. Yeah. Um, I think I might be a little bit like you in that I like to hold on to control. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard for me to just be like, okay, I can't control this, so I'm not going to try anymore. That um, sounds like that would probably be the hardest thing for me. Just <laughs> yes. to be like, I can't control this. I can't make my spouse change. I can't make all the things that I want to happen. So that's hopeful that you are able to just say, okay, like we can, we can work on this together. We can rebuild our trust together, but it does just take time. Like you said, it does. Like and it's said. really hard. It, it wasn't easy. It wasn't an overnight thing. And that's something that I learned like I said, like it was a turning point for him and it was a turning point for me too. kind of realizing like we've been doing all these things. I've been managing him and it didn't work. He's still been lying to me. And so I kind of just had to turn inward and worry about myself and my own healing and my own recovery instead of worrying about Matt. And I really was able to turn to the savior and just be like, I have so many fears. Like I care about so Matt so much and I care about our marriage so much. And that's what makes me feel the need to control this thing and makes me feel so much fear and anxiety around it because I just want to make sure everything is better, especially when we have kids and moving forward in the future. And so I really just had to turn to the savior and just be like, I just need to let go of these things. Like I cannot hold on to them anymore. They're not helping me. They're not helping him. And I, I had to let it go. And it was it was the hardest thing. And I, I feel like that's really common among spouses especially women of someone who's struggling with pornography is just letting go of that control and just fully giving it up to the savior and just working on your own recovery and it's something that i'm still working on like i'm not perfect at it um but it is is like the best advice that i could give anyone is just let it go don't worry about it give it to the savior i love that advice because he's the only one who's going to be able to help you heal and help your mm -hmm. spouse heal anyway like that's his work that's where he does his best work and we do have to let go and it's so hard and sometimes it's like well how what does that look like in my daily life like what does that practically look like for me to let this go because yes. i can't just like not care about it like, you <laughs> yeah. said, like this relationship is important to me uh -huh. so i don't know that might look different for everybody but i love that you were able to find that piece and okay so talk to me a little bit about the 12-step program this is the church's 12-step program yes so what is what is it all about tell me about it i don't know much about it yeah i think it's an awesome program for anyone that's struggling with like alcohol abuse um, drug abuse pornography really like anything like the compulsive eating even like codependency 
Um, it's just a program that has been developed kind of from the Alcoholics Anonymous 12-step program where um, you work through the 12 steps in like a meeting setting where you meet like once a week with a group and it's an awesome meeting, like the best meeting, one of the best meetings in the church um, and in the world just because everyone there is there because they need help and because they're willing to admit that like they are powerless in a sense over this and that they need like God's help. And there's so much humility. It's like tangible when you go into a 12-step meeting. I love it. Um, but you work through like each of the steps, you go to a meeting, you talk about them. Um, and then you, on your own, you work through the steps. And as you just like work through the steps, they just really help you in like different facets of your life and like your experience to understand yourself better, to let go um, of your like struggles, to ask God for help, and then to figure out like ways of like maintaining this like sobriety or this like, um, like abstinence from like whatever you're using in like a healthy way. And um, it's just like a, something that's just been around forever that the church has recently, I guess in the last like 15, 20 years, like kind of adopted it. And there's just 12 step meetings. Um, if you go to like, uh, is it addictionrecovery.churchofjesuschrist.org? Um, you can find meetings pretty much in any stake um, around like the world. Pretty much they have these and there's like online meetings too as well. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's the 12 step experience that we have. And they have, um, 12-step meetings for the person who's struggling with pornography. We went to like a pornography specific meeting. And so they had those meetings and then they also have meetings. It's not called a 12-step meeting, but it's kind of a similar um, principle and it's called um, spouse and family support meetings. So they have those meetings for the spouses of those who are struggling and they have a manual for the spouses and it goes through the 12 principles. And that's where I learned where it, it taught me a lot about trusting in God, letting go of control, setting boundaries, like really practical, helpful tips to heal and to recover through the atonement of Jesus Christ, using the gospel in your daily life. And so while we were, we both worked through the manuals and went to meetings um, separately and together, and that made a huge difference in both of our recoveries. That's awesome too, that they've taken the 12 step, like Alcoholics Anonymous program and added Jesus Christ into it. Yeah. Yeah. So Katie, you talked a little bit about how you learned to rely on the savior. Matt, what did that look like for you? Yeah. Relying on the savior. Um, I think so much of it is like letting go of the idea that you can do everything or that you can do anything. And I think such a powerful aspect of like the 12 step program. And people always say this, it's like, um, is that the 12 step program is really like the secret way of like or it's like how to use the atonement of Jesus Christ. It's how to apply the atonement of Jesus Christ in your life. And I think that that's so true because I mean, it's really about like letting go and letting like relying on Jesus Christ. And I think it's interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. My experience with like the savior and the atonement of Jesus Christ early on in my recovery, it was, you know, me begging for help and not feeling like I was getting it. And looking back now, I feel so thankful for the struggle that I had to go through to get to where I am today, where I consistently today feel the spirit, feel like I'm doing like Heavenly Father's will and feel like Jesus Christ, like strengthening me in my life. But I feel like that if, I, if he just taken this like addiction from me, if he had just taken this off my back, I, I wouldn't have been able to like learn what it means to like pray so diligently, what it means to like study the scriptures, what it means to meditate, what it means to like ask someone for help. And just like truly struggle in my life. And so for me, it's just, it's about like living my life according to God's will in such a way that I let him take over where he can and then do whatever, whatever I can in my life. And I feel like I just have such a firm testimony 
that Jesus Christ is our savior and that not only can he heal us and has he healed me in so many ways, but he can like strengthen us and make us so much more perfected. And um, I just, I know that with all my heart. So. Oh, that's so, again, so hopeful. And we do sometimes have to find Christ in our extremities when we're like at rock bottom, the only place we have to go is to look up to him. And I mean, maybe we won't reach rock bottom, but even still, like we kind of find him and learn what the atonement actually means by experience, you know, and maybe that's Mm -hmm. how it's supposed to be. And I don't think that the, the Lord wants us to sin or break his commandments or any of that, but he can use those experiences to make us stronger if we turn to him through the atonement. And now you guys are able to help so many other people find that hope. And so I just, I love that this is a message of hope, that it doesn't have to be like doomsday. There's always hope because of Jesus Christ. And you guys illustrate that so beautifully in the work that you're doing. And I just, I just find it so refreshing. And I just thank you for what you're doing. So you've talked a little bit about some things that worked for you and some things that didn't. Is there anything else that maybe worked or didn't work as you were working through this recovery process? I would say for me, kind of like I mentioned, trying to manage Matt, I had really good intentions. And every time I was like, okay, I'm not going to manage him. And then a situation would come up and I'd be like, oh, but wait, like I should put in my two cents here or I should push him to do this, you know, and it just, it didn't work for either of us. We weren't happy and things weren't progressing the way that we wanted to. Um, Also, it's vulnerable for me to say this. It's kind of, it's hard to admit like weaknesses in a marriage, you know, Um, but there were, I hope other people can relate to this by me saying this, but there were a lot of times where Matt would slip up or we would be in an argument or something. And sometimes I would purposefully distance myself or stay mad and stay angry just to show him how much he has hurt me and kind of use use my emotions in that way to kind of like make a point where sometimes it felt like I couldn't get my point across to him of how much I was hurting, how much I needed help, how much um, his behavior was affecting me. And it was just is another way of me trying to control him. And as everyone's listening, they're like, yeah, well, don't do that. Like, that's not a healthy way to manage conflict and being in a relationship, you know, but it's something that I would turn to in desperate times. And I'd be like, I don't know how else to get this message across. And of course that didn't work. I quickly learned that that was me trying to control and it wasn't a healthy way to manage this um, conflict between us. Um, So some things that did work for us is like I said, letting it go, kind of letting Matt manage his, his own recovery and working through his own stuff. Um, really getting a sponsor was something that helped both of us. I really was wanting and hoping that Matt would get a sponsor um, because it just it felt like I needed someone else on my team where I was I was kind of in the details of his recovery. He would tell me about his slip ups that as a wife, that's hard to hear. And especially when I'm trying not to control or manage it, it, it was just kind of like a tricky business being in the details, but also out of the details, you know, so having him get a sponsor was really helpful. Um, And also reaching out to people and getting help. Like I said, at the beginning, I didn't know anyone who was going through this. And for a while, I just struggled in silence. I didn't feel like I could tell anybody about it. I was really ashamed and felt really isolated. And once I started opening up to other women who were going through similar experiences, 
that's where I found a lot of support, a lot of hope. And, um, I was able to, I was able to be supported and encouraged in the way that I needed. And of course, Matt is an amazing support and spouse, but it's, it's incredible to be able to talk with other women who are going through the same thing. Where did you find those women? I found them in the 12 step meeting mostly. And then at church, when, when we started talking more openly about our struggles, we talk about it like in relief society or here and there, you know, people started being like, Oh, us too. You know? So then we kind of were able to make connections that way. So I found the more open that I was, the more open other people could be. Um, and of course, everyone's not there. Like I wasn't ready to do that at the very beginning, but once I was ready, that was something that was really helpful. And we're like always willing to talk or like connect people as well. So if people want to reach out to us on Instagram or um, like email or something like that, we are like so open to that too, because it is really hard to find people. And that's part of the reason we're trying to talk so much about this. Yeah, because this like thrives in the dark, right? The yeah. addiction, the pornography, the shame, it all thrives in the dark. So the more we can talk about it. Let's not make it a shameful thing. Like it's yeah. so prevalent. We just, we need to be able to talk about it, right? Yeah. So Matt, what was the most helpful for you, like from Katie, as you are trying to work through this? Um, that's a good question. I, I guess I feel like the the best answer I would give to that is having her let me um, sort of live the consequences of my actions. And what I mean by that is that like, I ultimately have to be the one to take responsibility and like, deal with this. And so if she was like controlling me or like really just like trying to manage me, I was like missing out. And it's, it's not on her to manage me. It's not on her to not manage me, but like letting me, I just heard so many stories of like the spouse just being like, okay, hey, I'm done. You figure this out. And then their spouse figures it out because they realize like it's on them. And maybe it's because they hit rock bottom or something like that. But I feel like, um, recognizing that it's on me to solve it really was like probably the most beneficial thing for me. That's profound. Once you like, once she stops trying to manage it, you're like, okay, I guess I, <laughs> I got to step up. Right. <laughs> totally. And it's not too, um, it spouses can be so helpful. And like Katie was so key in this. Um, and so I, I can't speak enough of like how much she helped me. Um, so that should be said too. There definitely is a healthy way to be involved and to work through this together. But the way that I was doing it or the way that I see other women doing it, especially at the beginning, it's not always healthy and it doesn't always work the best. Okay. So let me ask this and maybe you've already answered it, but maybe there's something else. What can you do as a spouse to support your spouse who may be struggling with pornography without stepping over that line of being controlling? So I found that boundaries were really helpful and this is going to look different for everybody. It's something that you have to work through personally first and then with, with your spouse. Um, but boundaries were really helpful for things that I did want to talk about, things I didn't want to talk about. We talked a lot about how to talk about our conflict or how to talk about recovery um, when emotions weren't high. Just on a regular day, we were like, hey, let's sit down and talk about like maybe a script of what's helpful for you, what's helpful for me. Um, so we could kind of give some examples instead of being in the moment and we're both frustrated with each other and trying to criticize each other or something. I think something else too that's really helpful is learning about what your spouse is going through, learning about whether it's pornography or like whatever, just like how, how the brain works when it's on pornography, why they're using it, why they're looking for it. And like maybe you use that to like teach your spouse so that they can know as well if they're not like doing the research. But like for Katie to learn about like pornography and like 
why I'm acting out. It's not because like she's not enough or because like I am a bad person, but it's because like I have underlying problems. I'm like stressed. I'm overwhelmed. I have like, I don't know, childhood trauma or like I'm codependent in like my relationships, whatever it is, like for Katie to like learn about that, that helps her so much both to like be centered in her own life and realize like it's not about her, but also to like help me and assist me in like truly beneficial ways. We went, the meetings that we went to were really incredible because we would go together to a meeting and every other week we would switch off the manual that we were working through. So one week we would do the 12 step manual and the next week we would do the spouse and family support manual. So we would be sitting together the whole time. And some weeks, most of the women would be talking some weeks, most of the men would be talking, but it was so cool to just see everyone else going through what Matt is going through and just be like, Oh, this is normal. Or I don't have to worry about this. Or like he said, just really learning about it and educating yourself so you can understand where your spouse is coming from and be really compassionate and understanding towards them. So what would you want people to know about pornography addiction? What are some of those underlying causes? If it's not, I know, like I can imagine that that would be hard as a spouse to be like, this is about me. This is because I'm not yeah. pretty enough. This is because I'm not whatever enough. And it would be easy to internalize that. So what, what mm -hmm. are the actual kind of underlying, some of them causes? So basically pornography is a bad solution for your life's problems. And so when you turn to pornography, a lot of the times it's because you have these underlying problems, like I'm saying, like you're asking what they are, <laughs> I should tell you now. Um, <clears throat> but the underlying problems are like, um, you're, you're like not managing stress, you're not managing loneliness, you're not managing anxiety or depression. Um, you're, like I said, you're in codependent relationships where like, you don't have like a sense of self or like you're not, um, you don't recognize like your worth and you therefore like feel like you have to take care of people or like do things that you shouldn't be doing um and therefore like you use pornography as like an outlet to feel something to feel like connected to feel happy to feel like whatever it is okay but yeah just it's it's not about the spouse it's about right yeah sex. right yeah so and so it was helpful it was helpful for me to realize that and understand it's not about me it has nothing to do with me and then for me just to be able to detach myself from that and just be like, I need to work on myself. He's working on himself. It doesn't have to do with us and our relationship. Um, more just creating a sense of worth and healthy attitudes and boundaries around sexuality and life. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So what would you say to the spouse of a pornography addict who's just in the messy middle and losing hope that they're ever going to get out of this mess? What encouragement could oh, you give them? The messy middle is the hardest because you don't know when or if it's going to end. And I have been there and I just, I feel for women or spouses who are going through this. It is such a, it's just so exhausting and it's really emotionally draining to be in that, to be in that messy middle. And so I would just say there is hope to have a healthy, positive, meaningful relationship with your spouse, even if they're struggling with pornography, even if you yourself are struggling with insecurities or whatever issues you're going through, there's hope in finding peace and finding fulfillment and finding joy together. And that hope just comes through Jesus Christ. And so I would just say, cling to Jesus Christ, cling to the savior who knows everything that you're going through and 
it might take you to rock bottom, maybe in a way that your spouse has gone to rock bottom, but Jesus Christ will pull you out. He will probably let you struggle. It depends on, I don't know how long, but that struggle is what's going to make it worth it in the end. Um, and I would also just say like cling to your self-worth because this, this issue can be degrading, especially to women. And it can be really hard with betrayal trauma and feeling, um, worthless and feeling not enough. That's something that women already struggle with. And to be going through this, uh, in your relationship is really tricky. And so I just say, find that self-worth, remember that you are a child of God and remember how worthy you are. It doesn't matter what your spouse is going through. It doesn't matter if they're succeeding or failing at their recovery. It just matters how you feel about yourself and how Heavenly Father feels about you. And he loves you and he's helping you even if it feels like he's not. Oh, that's so good. Would you add anything to that, Matt? Yeah, I just say surround yourself with like people that love you and care about you and um, get like the help that you need. And um, yeah, just like learn about what they're going through because like Katie said, there there is hope and it does get better. Um, but even if it doesn't and like if, not to say even if it doesn't, but even if it takes a while, if you are yourself like centered and like like Katie said, established on like that rock of Jesus Christ, it doesn't really matter like what happens after that. And um, I think that's like a really powerful like place to get to where you just are so firmly set on like Jesus Christ that whatever happens around you, um, you're centered. And I think that's like important too. As a woman, I've, I've heard so many women say like, um, I've been struggling or I don't want to talk to people about this because it's my husband's problem. I don't want like, he says that I'm not allowed to, or like, I don't want them to think badly of him. And I understand all those things. And it's something that you need to work out together in your relationship. But honestly, like it's as much of your story as it is their story. And for you to get the support that you need is going to be key in your own healing and in your own recovery, just as much and as badly as you want your spouse to get help. You need that help yourself outside of your marriage from friends, from family members, from 12 step people, whatever it is, you need to find um, a couple of people that you can really rely on and talk to through this. And that's going to be key to your healing and recovery. Such great advice. Such great advice. Well, that leads us to our final question that I ask all of my guests. And I'd like to hear from both of you on this one. What does standing with the Savior mean to you? I think it means um, just really seeking his will every day and then um, following the spirit and like doing that and then repenting and healing, growing, changing. And I think that's like such a joyful cycle of repentance of just like becoming more like the savior by following his will and following his spirit. And I found that when I do that, my life is, is I have so much more fulfillment, so much more joy. I don't have less struggles or less trials, but going through them with the savior is like a place to grow, a place to learn, and just a place to experience like everything that this life has to offer. And I think so much of that is going to be struggling and suffering, but suffering when it has meaning is no longer suffering. So I think that I think that's amazing. So, and for me, I would say standing with the Savior is standing with Him at all times, in all things, in all places. Standing with Him when it's inconvenient, when it's hard, when it's scary. That's when standing with the Savior is most important. And I felt that 
more and more in this day and it's pushing me and helping me grow but standing with the savior i know if i do that he will keep his promises to me and he'll stand with me as well so good you guys again so filled with hope and light and i am just i'm grateful i feel like i've learned so much from you and i just like feel the goodness of your hearts and your spirits and everything that you're doing and i'm grateful so thank you for being willing to share your story and your wisdom and your experience with all of our podcast community. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for having us on. Yeah. It was so great to chat. All right, my friends, aren't Matt and Katie just amazing? I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. I hope you learned something. I hope you felt of their light and the hope that they bring and the spirit that they share. I feel like they are such a fantastic resource. And if you would like to continue to learn from them, you can find them on their Instagram account called Let's Talk 12 Step. I will link it right here in the episode description in the show notes. They also have a podcast that they haven't added to for a long time, but would also be a really great resource for people who are interested. It's called Supported Sobriety. And I will also link that in the show notes. So look for those two things. Go and connect with Matt and Katie. And I hope that you have a fantastic week, my friends. And I will see you back here again next week after general conference. I'm so excited. Go listen to conference. It's going to be a great weekend. We'll see you back here soon. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, Find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard, that's two N's, two P's, and an A-R-D, or at LynetteShepard.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again, and remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.